0: The following podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In
1: 1937, Joseph Smith was chased out of the small town of Kirtland, Ohio. Upon his departure, some would say he cursed this rural town that lies east of Cleveland. Joseph Smith had created the first Mormon temple and later had a warrant issued for his arrest. Throughout the years, the small town has been rumored to have ghost sightings and mutants.
0: Ah, the Millenhead mutants. We have a story on the website about that.
1: Uh, Yes, I wrote that a few years ago. This poor town has so much negativity surrounding it but the worst thing to ever happen in Kirtland, Ohio is the 1989 murders of the Avery family by a cult leader. You're listening to Unexplained Realms, the podcast. I'm your host, Anne, joined by co-host and producer, Eddie B. hey don't mind
0: me. I'm just sitting over here suffering through my allergies. In
1: <laughs> California, I gotta love uh, it. yeah. Jeffrey Lundgren was born on May 3, 1950, in Independence, Missouri. He was raised as a member of the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was also heavily abused as a child by his father, though by high school he was mostly a loner and took a large interest in hunting as his father became an expert hunter. Spending his time with his father, he became very knowledgeable in the use and maintenance of firearms. After high school, Jeffrey enrolled at Central Missouri State University and spent his time at a house specifically built for the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ Youth. During this time, he met others who had also been abused as children and they bonded as friends. Alice Keeler was one of these friends. Jeffrey went on to marry Alice in 1970, and on December 2nd, 1970, they had their first child. Within the same year he was married, he enlisted in the U.S. Navy, but he received a dishonorable discharge just days before the completion of his four years. Sometime after this, their second child was born in 1974. After his discharge, Jeffrey settled his wife and children in San Diego, California, though it became extremely expensive and forced the family to move back to Missouri. A third child was born in 1979, and Jeffrey became frustrated by his constant financial issues Some even say he became abusive towards his wife after the third child was born. Records show that his wife was hospitalized for a ruptured spleen, which was most likely due to abuse. Once again, another child was born to the couple in 1980, making four children. During the early 1980s, Jeffrey Lundgren moved his family to Ohio and became a guide at the Kirtland Temple in Ohio, which was also referred to as the House of the Lord. This is the same temple that Joseph Smith created in 1936. Moving to Ohio, he claimed, was because the word Ohio was chiastic. Jeffrey eventually became a senior temple guide. This was a non-paid position within the temple, but would provide housing for him and his family. He would spend his time teaching Bible classes and teaching the Book of Mormon. He also began teaching classes with his own concept. For example, he would take a sentence from a scripture And if the sentences before and after it were consistent, then the center sentence was the truth. This way of teaching scriptures by interpretation attracted many followers. Over time, Jeffrey began embezzling money from the temple, kept contributions from visitors, and a shortage of funds in the temple bookstore was noticed. By October of 1987, he was dismissed from the temple as it was believed that he had embezzled up to $40,000. This is when Jeffrey began building a following of his own. Jeffrey moved his family to a farmhouse located at 8671 Chardon Road on US Route 6 east of Ohio State Route 306. During this time, he began to attract followers, and they began moving into his new home. These new followers included Kevin Curry, Richard Brand, Greg Winship, Sharon Bluntschley, Daniel Kraft, Debbie Oliveras, Ronald and Susan Luff, Dennis and Tanya Patrick, and Dennis, and Cheryl Avery. The Avery family maintained their own home separate from Jeffrey's communal farmhouse. Some of these followers had known Jeffrey from the Missouri Temple and followed him to Ohio. With his new followers, Jeffrey began to practice mind control. similar to Robert Lifton's criteria. And Robert Lifton
0: was one of the first psychologists to study brainwashing and mind control and called the method thought reform.
1: Yeah. Jeffrey used these practices within his temple or farmhouse, (laughs) and members were forbidden to talk amongst themselves. Calling it murmuring, which he stated was a sin, He was also eavesdropping on his members which made them believe he could read their minds over time the members would call jeffrey dad and sign their paychecks directly to him to cover the farmhouse expenses of his followers one couple continued to live in their home 49 year old Dennis Avery and 46 year old Cheryl, his wife. They had three daughters Trina, who was 15, Rebecca, 13, Karen, who was 7. The family had sold their home in Missouri to join Jeffrey's group and kept some of the profit, which Jeffrey considered a sin. Though the Avery family was very devoted to Jeffrey, he very much disliked the family. He did not like Dennis at all. He felt Cheryl was too independent for a woman, and the Avery children were just very disobedient. On April 23rd of 1988, A neighbor told a Kirtland police officer that he believed Jeffrey had a cult living in his farmhouse. He stated that Jeffrey Lundgren's son had warned his children that the earth would open up and demons would emerge on May 15th of that year. Just a few days later, one of the former cult members contacted the Kirtland police to report that Jeffrey's cult was planning to take over the Kirtland temple in a violent takeover. The police did not believe this informant, but still confronted Jeffrey. The officer felt he had neutralized the threat because he had warned Jeffrey that neighbors were complaining of gunfire on his property. Jeffrey then informed his followers that they would plan this attack for a later date because he had spoken to a higher power. By September of 1988, another informant came forward to the FBI. The FBI then initiated a domestic terrorism investigation. This time, Jeffrey's sermons had become paranoid and apocalyptic. He constantly spoke of the end of days and would insist that all the men in his group should begin training with firearms. He could be seen wearing military fatigues daily. Promising his followers, he would bring them to Zion, a holy state of being, and they would witness the return of Jesus Christ. Once again, he began to plan an attack on the Kirtland Temple. He wanted it to happen, by force, on his 38th birthday. But once again, the attack was called off. Early 1989, Jeffrey began telling his cult followers that the only way to reach Zion was to sell off their possessions and retreat into the wilderness. The Avery family made plans to sell everything they had and follow the journey Jeffrey would lead them on. Though the other cult followers were actually instructed to kill the Avery family as a blood sacrifice, which would help them reach the promised land. On April 17, 1989, the Avery family was invited to the farmhouse where Jeffrey and the rest of the cult followers lived. Once they arrived there, they were taken out one by one to the barn located behind the house. They were bound, gagged, and thrown into a seven-foot hole dug into the dirt floor. Each family member was shot two to three times with a 45 caliber semi-automatic weapon. Jeffrey Lundgren was assisted in this murder by his 19-year-old son Damon and cult followers Ronald Luff, Daniel Kraft, Richard Brand, and Greg Winship. Within less than 24 hours, FBI converged onto the farm. This was purely a coincidence, as they were responding to the neighbors' complaints of cold activities and firearm use. During their search of the barn, they had no idea they were walking on top of the Avery family's graves. No further action was taken that day. Jeffrey insisted his group leave the area immediately and move them all to a campsite in West Virginia. Though in time, they headed back to Missouri. By December of 1989, cult member Larry Keith Johnson became disgruntled and told authorities in Kansas City, Missouri about the Avery family murders. Larry was angry because the cult leader Jeffrey selected Larry's wife as his second wife as he was now practicing polygamy. In an attempt to stop his wife from becoming Jeffrey's second wife, he drew a map of the barn and showed authorities where the bodies were buried. The Avery family was found in the first week of January 1990, setting off a manhunt for Jeffrey Lundgren and his cult followers. The Bureau of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and local police found Lundgren on January 7, 1990 at a motel in between San Diego and the Mexican border. Jeffrey and his wife, Alice, were attempting to arrange for her parents to pick up their youngest three children while they would flee the area with their oldest son, Damon, and other members of the group. Police found in their possession an AR-15, three handguns, hunting knives, and camping gear. After their capture, all were indicted on charges relating to the murders of the Avery family. The majority of the cult would eventually plead guilty in exchange for lighter sentences. Jeffrey Lundgren's trial began on August of 1990, and he told the jury, "...it's not a figment of my imagination that I can, in fact, talk to God. I am a prophet of God. I am even more than a prophet." On August 29th, after only two hours of deliberation, he was found guilty on all five counts of aggravated murder and kidnapping and was sentenced to death. On October 24th, 2006, he had exhausted all legal appeals and Jeffrey Lundgren was executed by lethal injection. In his final statement, he stated, I profess my love for God, my family, for my children, for my second wife, Kathy. I am because you are. We will never know why people join cults. Or maybe we just leave this to the realms of the unexplained.
0: I've read that most people join cults for three reasons they believe they have something they can gain from it professionally spiritually or for a sense of community or ultimately because they are extremely vulnerable Scientology being a classic
1: example exactly makes total sense <laughs> in a
0: nutshell <laughs> these people are all weak that's my armchair diagnosis yeah I
1: think you're correct I 100% agree the mentally weak are always susceptible to mind control and being you know led yeah well for now I'm gonna let my hunger lead me to some food (laughs) Food.
0: (laughs) if you're new you can visit us at unexplainedrealms.com facebook Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to smash those like, subscribe, and follow buttons. And don't forget to hit the show notifications button on Spotify so you can get reminders when we drop a new episode. Don't forget to click on our sponsor's links when visiting unexplainedrealms.com with a variety of brands and products to choose from, and the most exclusive deals just for you.
1: This podcast is supported by E-Media Studios.